This is The Jerry Callahan Show. Well, Washington, D.C. is burning down as we speak. Yes, it appears to be yet another insurrection. This one took place yesterday, January 3rd. It was insane. They were breaking windows, burning, uh, stealing podiums, putting their feet up on the uh, speaker's desk. Uh, uh, that was until, until Matt Gates called the cops and said, and said, Kevin McCarthy's trespassing. It is chaos in DC. And I have to say, I'm enjoying it. I, I, I don't understand these people who've been calling for disruption for the last two years. Stop the Biden agenda, stop the spending, stop the uniparty. And suddenly many people, uh, in the Republican party and in the media are saying, this has to end. It's, it's counterproductive. These people are clowns. So what? I'm, I'm, I'm with the clowns. I'm with the clowns. I say, keep it going. Keep squeezing the, uh, the swamp creatures. Uh, but I think I know how this ends today. I think at noontime, they're going to have another vote and the vote will be over and uh, we will have a new speaker. It will be clear. It will be George Santos from New York. He will step up and say, Yes, I won the vote. I'm the new speaker. Yes. And he will move into the speaker's office proudly. And uh, he'll put those fake diplomas he got up from school. He'll put those up on the wall. He'll put a menorah. Uh, Hanukkah's over, but he'll put a big star of David up, you know, to celebrate his Jewish faith. And we can all come together. We can all coalesce around the new speaker, uh, Representative George Santos of New York. I don't see any other way out of this. I'll get to this. We're going to get to this because I have some questions uh, about all these people who are so upset that it took three ballots so far. We may have more. You know, we may have more today. Uh, it strikes me as a democracy in action. It strikes me as people doing what they were sent to Washington to do, which is disrupt the swamp, disrupt the deep state. And it seems to me that's exactly what uh, Matt Gates and Lauren Bobart and company are doing. But uh, I want to start with uh, the latest on DeMar Hamlin, the latest on the NFL. It's been a crazy couple of days. And I think at this point we can ask, what is the league going to do? What are the Bills and the Bengals going to do? First, um, we're looking for, everybody's looking for the latest uh, prognosis from uh, the hospital in Cincinnati where DeMar Hamlin, as you know, is still in critical condition. He was brought there from directly from the stadium on Monday night after suffering cardiac arrest on the field. He was given CPR for nine minutes or so, brought back to life, hustled to the hospital. The game, as we know, was postponed, canceled, I think, um, there's been a few people who've talked to one of them is, his uh, I don't know what you call him, his advisor, his rep, his, his, uh, his marketing rep who's talked to the media yesterday. There was uh, a couple of his relatives out along out with the, uh, the, the people holding vigil outside the hospital. Uh, his uncle spoke to the media and, uh, and uh, had one interesting revelation. It says he had to be resuscitated twice, brought back to life twice, but he also said, the oxygen level, they've decreased. He was on 100% oxygen. Now it's 50%, which according to medical people who've been all over cable news is a good sign. Uh, do we have, I'm not even sure his name, but do we have the uncle from outside the hospital? Ironhead, let's listen. Um, he's still sedated right now. Um, 
they just want him to have a better chance of uh, recovering better. So they felt that if he's sedated, his body can heal a lot faster um, than if he was, if he was um, woke and um, possibly cause other complications. So they, they got him sedated right now. And um, I mean, it's just heartbreaking seeing him like that, right? I mean, you know, just uh, we were in Pittsburgh watching it on TV and his little brother was there with us. And um, when he seen his brother drop like that, and when I tell you, I never seen him crash, scream like that. Like we were trying to calm him down, like yo, it's okay, you know, he'll gonna get back up, he'll be back in the game, you know, woo woo woo. Next thing you know, it's ten minutes later, they're doing chest compressions. It's a half hour later, they still not playing yet. I'm like, yo, what's going on? What's wrong with my nephew? And then like when I say like now we were all in the room crying, man, we were all in tears, man. And I'm not a crier. But like I, I never crashed so hard in my life, man. Just just to know like like my nephew basically died on the field and they brought him back to life. I mean, that's just heartbreaking. And to see all those grown men crying and all the emotion, man, it just it, it really was a gut punch, man. And I would have been crying no matter who it was, but for it to be my nephew, it just it had that much more impact on me, man. And I'm just glad he's still alive and able to fight um and trying to get better and recover. All right, that is Dorian Glenn, uh, an uncle. Uh, here's a quick prediction. There's going to be some fake, some fraud doing interviews because there's a lot of reporters yeah. out there, a lot of people looking for anything. There's not a lot of information, so they're going to be looking for anything. Uh, any day now, there's going to be someone claiming to be his best friend or his cousin, and uh, he's going to do an interview, and, and everyone's going to say, that guy has nothing to do with uh, Damar Hamlin's family. Hamlin's family. But there were there was a couple of uh, interesting developments yesterday. This thing with the charity, with the toy drive, the uh, Demar Hamlin's toy drive, which uh, he does annually for kids, uh, underprivileged kids in Pittsburgh. Uh, he had a goal when he started raising funds this year in uh, October, November. His goal was twenty five hundred dollars. It is now topped. Uh, the latest I saw was five and a half million dollars. That's going to buy a lot of toys for uh, for the kids in Pittsburgh. And everybody who's anybody in the NFL is donating. Tom Brady donated 10,000. A whole bunch of people did. Russell Wilson, Andy Dalton, the Kraft family. Bob Kraft donated $18,003. I guess 18, 18 is a... Uh, Jewish uh, lucky number uh, and three is obviously uh, Damar Hamlin's number. Very uh, classy gesture on the crafts part. Um, there's the, the, we talked about this yesterday, but there's a couple things that people just are getting so they're just getting wrong on this. I mean, if you want to talk about the violence in the NFL, as we did yesterday, that's fine. It's a violent game. These guys know that every game could be their last. They could suffer a spinal injury or tear their ACL or tear their Achilles. And it could be over for a year, two years or forever. Um, that's one thing that's, that's always uh, worth discussing. I agree. It is a extremely violent game, which is why it is so appealing. People love the danger, the risk, the violence that has nothing to do with what happened to DeMar Hamlin. This was a legal hit, a, a mundane hit, a routine hit, there was no cheap shot. There was no spearing, no targeting. It wasn't like the Derwin James hit from last week where he just led with his head and tried to inflict as much damage as possible. He's just trying to bring down T Higgins. So you're thinking at least that element is not really part of the discussion. It's not about excessive violence, glorifying violence. It was a routine play 
that appeared to be just a really unlucky play, as we talked about yesterday, uh, it appears to be Commodio. Do I have that right? Commodio? Commodio Cortis? Cortis. I'm, Commodio I'm Cortis, where a uh, there's a direct hit on the heart in just a particularly vulnerable spot. It is It is not common, but it's happened in sports. It's more common in baseball or hockey or lacrosse than in football. If that's the case, and it certainly appears to be, there's the diagram of how it happens in the and the little model in the diagram is a baseball player. Occasionally a baseball player can get hit in the chest with a fastball or, or a throw to throw from, you know, throw to first base hits them in the spot and kills them or causes cardiac arrest. That appears to be what happened. And even though there's lots of speculation about the vaccine and we can get to that, but there, there is, there, there is no way to say the NFL has to do something. You know, normally when these things happen, when a guy gets, you know, goes low, hits with his head, leads with his head, gets a neck injury, gets paralyzed, gets, uh, uh, whatever, breaks his, breaks his neck, breaks his spine in some way. Then you talk about the dangers of the NFL and what you could do to remedy it. You can't make that case in this instance. It had nothing to do with excessive violence. Uh, that hasn't stopped some people from trying to, uh, place blame. And I, I guess we can, uh, we can get to Bart Scott. Cause I saw this live and, and ESPN is struggling with this. I will say that they're struggling with this. There's a lot of this talk about uh, how the NFL is too dangerous, including from guys who made their living, who, who, you know, who were there on that set, most of them because they played in the NFL, Ryan Clark, a noted uh, heavy hitter, a, an assassin back there who suffered some serious injuries. Most famously, he was hospitalized for a month and lost his spleen, I believe. Uh, and uh, he had he had a number of injuries because that's the way he played. And he's talking about it and talking about uh, they, they, don't, they don't make enough money for the risks they take. And maybe that would apply here because DeMar Hamlin was a six-round pick and is not making a lot of money. But for the most part, the players are making a lot of money and know the risk. This, the, you can't say like, you know, before we knew about CTE and permanent brain damage that, that guys didn't know. They didn't understand. The, you know, the Mike Websters and the and, uh, Junior Seaus maybe didn't know the risk. These guys know the risk. They understand it. They take the risk willingly, gladly, because they're, they're living their dream. They're making a lot of money and they're... Uh, and they're rich and famous. And uh, maybe DeMar Hamlin is not that rich or famous, but I think he understood the risk. He was a safety, a hard hitting safety. Those guys know the risk. So I'm wondering if you have hours to fill on TV or radio, where do you go with this? Well, the ESPN has lost its way uh, on this and no one has more. Uh, it was never more evident than when Bart Scott, former, uh, uh, Baltimore Raven uh, 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 linebacker, defensive end hitter, you know, typical, you know, hard hitter, tough guy. I'm watching this live and he starts talking about T Higgins, the guy who had the ball, the guy who got hit by DeMar Hamlin. I mean, he obviously did uh, hit, hit, hit back, you know, go, uh, return the, the blow and hit uh, Hamlin in the chest, which is unfortunate but he's blaming Higgins. And I'm going, I'm saying, what? 
This is a guy who's, I think, looking for, struggling for an original thought, you know, saying everyone else has talked about, you know, thoughts and prayers and, and all that and how unfortunate it is. And I need to come up with something else. So maybe T. Higgins is to blame. He, he actually goes there. Uh, let's listen to Bart Scott. Intentionally, right. what exactly did T. Higgins do last night to Hamlin? Well, right, right before the tackle, he lowers his helmet and he kind of throws his body into his chest. He's standing up because he's thinking he's got to take ch- chase T. Higgins at an angle to make a tackle. So he didn't expect T. Higgins to launch his body back into him. You know, it's one of those things. A lot of times you sit as a linebacker, uh, un- unblocked. You know. Unengaged un- um, running back comes through the hole and he knows that contact's coming, so he lowers his helmet and you can't get underneath him. So he's able to get into you and your chest is exposed. So they, they, they've taken that out of the game, but they don't really regulate it as much as possible. I, I, I expect the league would be a lot more vigilant when it comes to that and using that penalty. Right. <laughs> so the league is going to be more vigilant. Doing what? He didn't really lower his head and you know get down so low that he drilled yeah. him in the you know in the midsection with his helmet. It's kind of like a sideways thing. Almost. Yeah, I mean, it was it was anything but. But I guess you know everybody needs something today, and that's what you're getting. You're getting people you know indicting the league. Hell, they're talking about. And I and I almost wish I could I could agree on this idea that the league said let's warm up and play in five minutes. And, you know, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman said that on the broadcast. When I was watching it live, I thought nothing of it because, again, we've seen lots of guys get hurt, serious, serious injuries over the years. We've never seen a game suspended or canceled. So if you're the league or even, you know, Troy Vincent, the union guy or Goodell or whoever, the head of the officials, your first instinct is how long do we wait and what time do we start with resume play? Your first instinct isn't, wow. Let's cancel the game for the first time in league history. That's unprecedented. That's unusual. So you're not thinking that as, as the, as the, the solution here, the answer here, you're thinking we're going to play. So if they said, well, tell the guys to warm up, we're going to play, especially if you didn't see up close uh, Hamlin getting CPR, if you didn't see him literally die on the field and be brought back to life, there's a reason the people who are in that scrum on the field surrounding him, the players from both teams, it's a reason they were so outwardly upset and they were crying and they, and they looked like distraught that they could not play because they saw what happened. If you're sitting in an office in New York or even, you know, in the stadium up in the box somewhere, you didn't see that. You just think he's seriously hurt. It's uh, even if it's a hard thing, he's not dead. So you're thinking, of course, we're going to play. It's the NFL. We always play. So I don't blame the league or whoever made the call to say, get loose, warm up. We're going to keep playing. And then 23 minutes later, they changed their minds and said, it's off. You know, it's off. So uh, uh, why is that a problem? They, they canceled the game. They sent everyone home. They did what they were supposed to do. Did they do it quick enough? For whom? They didn't play. They didn't, they didn't make the guys play. So even if they told them initially, and I believe Joe Buck's not lying, that they were going to resume play, it's because we all thought they were going to resume play because that's what they do. This was, un, this was uncharacteristic, unusual, unprecedented, and they did the right thing. So I have a hard time blaming the league or blaming the rules. It wasn't a cheap shot. 
they have a lot of time to fill. So what do they do? They come up with silly takes, silly hot takes, like T. Higgins is responsible for this, uh, which is kind of silly. Or, uh, I mean, they don't, they don't ask about the vaccine. You're not allowed to ask about the vaccine. Here's, here's, and I, if you ask me my honest opinion, I don't think the vaccine is responsible for this. We don't even know if DeMar Hamlin got vaccinated. We think he did because most guys did. We know what happened to guys who didn't. They were ostracized. We heard the whole story, the whole scenario from Aaron Rodgers. They don't, uh, uh, they weren't allowed to go in the weight room with their teammates. They had to have separate time in the weight room. They got to get tested every day. If they showed up when they went on the road, they weren't allowed to leave their hotel room. There were lots of uh, restrictions in place for unvaccinated players. One of his teammates, DeMar Hamlin's teammates, Cole Beasley, perhaps the most famous anti-vaxxer in the NFL, he was really outspoken on why he didn't get the jab. I assume he still has some things he has to do that other players can't do. Was DeMar Hamlin one of them? Was he one of the few unvaccinated? Probably not. He was probably vaccinated. I don't think it was the vaccine, but I don't mind people asking, especially if they're asking experts. You know, the guys, the former pariahs on Twitter, Robert Malone, Peter McCullough, these guys are talking about it, tweeting about it. And and could it be the vaccine? Could this have been a side effect from the, um, from the vaccine that Hamlin suffered from? Again, I doubt it, but why do we not get to ask? There was a time where you couldn't get you know, you couldn't go anywhere without being asked, are you vaccinated? You know, you couldn't, you couldn't go you know, to work. You couldn't go to school. You couldn't go to a restaurant without being asked, are you vaccinated? So if you suffer a major cardiac arrest on the field and you're 24 years old and healthy, people are allowed to ask, was he vaccinated? I'm going to say probably was, and I'm going to guess it had nothing to do with it, but I don't understand why everybody thinks about it. Everybody wonders about it, but somehow we aren't allowed to ask the question. It just seems like since, I don't know, since Musk took over, since we've gotten through much of the, uh, much of the COVID disinformation, since we know the vaccine doesn't work, since we know COVID doesn't kill healthy young 24 year olds, I thought this, you know, war against free speech had subsided. I thought we'd moved on, but still it's uncomfortable. You see some people ask about the vaccine because that's what's going through their mind and other people shout them down. Don't you dare. Why not? Why aren't we allowed to ask? Just wonder if it had something to do with it. Again, I don't think it did, but it feels wrong. It feels like we got to get past this, this, this chill in the air when the the question of the vaccine comes up. But I will tell you one thing that I have never seen before. And again, I've been watching this, this, I've been watching sports for a long time. I've never seen a guy have a heart attack on the field. And I've never seen a former player, a commentator on ESPN say a prayer. This was amazing. I got to give Dan Orlovsky credit. You know, he's pretty good. He's pretty good at his job. He does these breakdowns. He's done more damage, in my opinion, to Bill Belichick's reputation this season 
than, you know, Rex Ryan or Tony Dungy ever did. <laughs> he sits in the studio and he breaks down the film and he has really exposed the Patriots offense. He's showed you, you know, guys who don't know the plays lining up in the wrong places. He's picked apart Mac Jones and really exposed Mac Jones a number of weeks. And he's kind of thoughtful. He's kind of weird. You look at him and you can't believe he played quarterback in the NFL. You know, he looks like kind of a geek. But yesterday on the set with, who the hell is he on the set with? It's uh, a typical, you know, some woman. Uh, and uh, uh, I'm not sure the other player. There's another player on the set with him on one of these NFL live NFL shows. And it's like he's sitting down to, to you know, Sunday dinner about to say grace. He says, I'd like to pray. And the other people on the set pray with them again. This is ESPN. This is the most woke uh, media outlet. This, this, this is, you know, sports version of MSNBC. This is a place that has, you know, they've purged the, the uh, company of most old white guys and replaced them with, you know, 26 year old black women from, uh, you know, from, from Howard or from uh, uh, Oberlin, you know, they, 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 have made a concerted effort to go super woke. The two questions they ask at ESPN before they hire you, do you hate Donald Trump? Do you love Colin Kaepernick? If you say yes to both of those, you get the job. You know, they've, they they have no tolerance for any dissent. It's one of those places with zero diversity. I mean, they have lots of diversity of, of, of color and, 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 uh, uh, gender and sex and Im- immutable characteristics, but zero gender of thought. These people all think Colin Kaepernick is wonderful. They all hate Trump. But anyway, I think Orlovsky might be the exception to the rule. I don't know his politics, but watch as in the middle of a discussion about the uh, DeMar Hamlet situation, he asks, he asks us all to bow our heads and pray. Go ahead, play it. Um, football gave me everything. You know, and I think even through the midst of absolute tragedy last night, I think you saw some of the beauty of football mm-hmm. as well, that it's brought us all here together. Um, you know, like, this is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day, like, thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him. And I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say, like, we believe in prayer. And maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want it's just on my heart that I want to pray for It is. DeMar Hamlin right, right, right now. Um, I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Um, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that you're God, and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're, we're sad. We're angry. Um, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray. Truly come to you and pray for strength for DeMar, for healing for DeMar, for comfort for DeMar, to be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. Um, I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up DeMar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen, brother. That was like a one out of two prayer. I mean, one out of 10 prayer. That wasn't very good. And it's so, like he didn't even he didn't even plan it, but hey, that takes some guts to be on ESPN and say, "Can we now say a prayer?" And there's you know a lot of people are saying thoughts and prayers. 
And as you know, most of them, uh, you know, don't mean it. They're not actually praying and they don't actually care about Damar Hamlin, but I feel like he does, you know, I feel like his heart is in it. Like he's genuinely Christian and uh, he doesn't care that most of the people are snickering at ESPN people in down the hall, you know, the, you know, Bamani Jones and Max Kellerman's are probably saying, what a clown, a Christian, why is he even here? So I give him, I'll give Orlovsky credit for, for guts because that takes some guts. Uh, and uh, it's genuine. I mean, if he ran it by the boss, if he ran it by his producers, they would have said, no way, man, you're not praying on the set. We don't do that here. But he went and did it. And his co-hosts, uh, who was, the, who was the, 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 the other player? I don't know who that is. I was trying to uh, figure that out There's the whole time. There's so many. ESPN's got so many. Uh, uh, I think, it, was it Marcus Spears? I don't know. Whatever. They all they all joined him, joined with him in prayer. Now, it's a day later, so we're allowed to talk about, we're still not allowed to talk about the vaccine, but we're allowed to talk about the games. And I am at a loss. I am, uh, I know I had this little fight with the turtle boy on Twitter. And he's, he was demanded to know, you know, before they had the body, the body, before they had Hamlin's Hamlin into the uh, ambulance, he was demanding to know when they were going to play the game. Skip Bayless got in trouble and had to apologize for tweeting about uh, how you can, you cancel such a crucial game, uh, which there was an overreaction, including from me because it's skip and skip is trying to be a douche, but um I can't find a way. I can't see a way to play this game. I, I've looked at it. I've I got the schedule in front of me. I got the standings. I don't, unless you shake up the entire league and delay the playoffs for a week, I don't see how you play the game. I think you're going to have to consider it an act of God, like a, like a storm and just say, there's nothing we could do. We'll call it a tie. The chiefs will end up winning the top seed by a half a game. These two teams will play only 16 games while everyone else played 17. If you see another scenario, uh, and if you delay the playoffs a week, you have to delay the Super Bowl unless you get rid of the week in between, which they don't like to do. Maybe they do that. They did it on 9-11, another, you know, unprecedented uh, act uh, or event that uh, delayed the season. So maybe you get rid of the bye week and you play and you delay the whole playoffs a week. Uh, which would be wild just to play this game. And it would be a huge game, but I think more likely you say tough break, everybody. Uh, it's too bad, but uh, we're going to call it a tie. We can't come up with a way to play the game. Have you seen as anybody seen a scenario laid out that makes any sense that seems like the NFL will likely do. I know that there was talk about playing, you know, last night or tonight, that's not going to happen. These teams have big games this weekend. The bills are playing the Patriots. Uh, you know, they, they're, they're playing for that top seed, I guess, uh, in their mind, top seed, second seed, only the first seed gets a buy. So that's crucial. The chiefs, uh, the chiefs are leading, uh, the AFC at, uh, 13 and three Buffalo's 12 and three. So they're half game back. Cincinnati is 11 and four. So, I don't see how else they do it. I really don't. And everyone will be pissed. Everyone will bitch. They'll want an asterisk. That's okay. Put an asterisk next to it. But uh, if you can see a way to play the game, this one game, and make it all fair and make it all even and add up, then let me know because I can't come up with one. But that's okay. It's, again, it's, these things happen. 
not often, but like I said, there was 9-11 that canceled games and delayed the season or, or postponed games. Um, maybe you just chalk it up to, uh, you know, to an act of God and uh, play one less game, one fewer game and uh, live with it. And if people bitch, what can you do? That's the way it's going to be. But uh, I did want to play this Skip Bayless. For some reason, Skip Bayless gets people going, including me. I, I can never quite tell whether he's faking it or not. To me, it's fascinating because he gets paid $6 million a year to argue with Shannon Sharp. Nobody watches the show. They, um, they send out clips and he gets some, some, a lot of mileage from stupid tweets. By the way, Skip Bayless has uh, look at the number of uh, followers he has. He follows zero people on Twitter. He doesn't follow anybody. So he doesn't go on Twitter, read Twitter. He just occasionally tweets out something stupid or something outrageous and gets a lot of uh, feedback and blowback. And I guess he he's good for Fox Sports 1 because they get a little pub out of it. But I'm not sure anybody watches the show. The clips I see are just stupid. They feel so contrived. They, 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 it skips, feels like he's playing a role. He works for him, man. He makes a lot of money. But he tweeted this out on the night of the game, you know, 9.30 p.m., just as the game was called, I believe. He says, no doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game, but how? This late in the season, a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season, which suddenly seems irrelevant. Now, lots of us, I overreacted. I, I, you know, I pointed out, it is pretty stupid to talk about the magnitude and how crucial the game is. That's not a factor. It can't be a factor. You can't say, oh, yeah, the guy died on the field, but uh, the game really important. The fact is, if you watched it the way it unfolded, you know the players were incapable of going out there and finishing that game. It was impossible. They had no choice. The league didn't cancel the game. The players did. They, the look on their faces told you all you needed to know. So he gets a lot of blowback on this, a lot of criticism, including people demanding he be fired for that tweet. He goes on the next morning. Yesterday morning on his show, which is, what's it called? Undisputed. Uh, yesterday morning, Shannon Sharp doesn't show up for work. I'm not sure they gave an explanation, but Skip kind of alludes to it, that they didn't know if they could do a show because they were so distraught. A reminder, he makes $6 million a year to do this show, which is like two hours long where they fake yell at each other about whatever, about about. Aaron Rodgers or something. Skip even says he didn't know if he could do the show. He was so upset. Watch this. And he apologizes for the tweet, by the way. And, and, and I guess I understand why probably getting pressure from the boss say, you know, just apologize. And he did, but tell me this isn't one of the fakest things you've ever seen him <laughs> talking about how distraught and how he couldn't sleep. You know what? We all watched it unfold. Everybody was was rattled by it. We talked about it yesterday. I've never seen anything like it. I, I felt awful for this kid, for, for DeMar Hamlin and his family. But I, I, I came here yesterday with you. I'm not quite making $6 million a year, but I had an obligation. It's your job. If you're Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp, this is why you have a job to talk about things like this, to react to things like this. When I was on the radio, we loved not necessarily, you know, guys dying on the field, but big, huge, just events, things that everybody talked about. 
That's what you live for. And this clown is saying he, he didn't want to come to work. He was so distraught. It's just such a, just such a performance. God, let's, let's watch. Jen, allow me to say up front that I apologize for what we're going to set out to do here today if it offends anyone, because we're, we're going to try to do the show pretty much as we usually do the show. But I'll admit up front, <sighs> I'm still shook up by what happened last night to DeMar Hamlin. In fact, I'm still wrecked. In fact, I'm not sure I'm capable of doing this show today. But after barely sleeping on it, I decided to give it a try. <laughs> Maybe I'll fail. Maybe we will fail. But we're going to try. We wrestled through much of the night whether to even do a show today because it felt like in our minds, we almost can't win with this because the last thing we want to try to do is come off as insensitive to what this young man is going through in a life or death situation. The last thing we want to do is offend anyone by trying to do what we always do, which is talk about sports. As this show goes on, we're going to try to talk about a little bit of sports, but we're going to continue to talk about what happened to this young man last night and try to sort back through it with help from you and the audience. And we ask you now, if you'd like to tweet us your emotions of the night <laughs> and of this morning about what happened to DeMar Hamlin, please do so. You can tweet us at, at undisputed, at undisputed, and I will be sharing some of your tweets and your emotions as we share our experience of last night through this very difficult morning for all of us. All right, all right. I, I mean, you, you thought about not doing the show. Help me out here. So you're going to call your boss and say, I can't do the show because a player from Buffalo last night had a heart attack and got rushed to the hospital. I can't do the show. Okay, great. See you tomorrow. And then what? I mean, I did shows willingly, you know, gladly, because that's the job after 9-11, the morning of 9-11. We were on the air when it happened after the marathon bombing. I mean, we were there, we were on the air because that's your job. You should want to be on the air discussing it, uh, taking calls, whatever, taking tweets, discuss interviewing people. That's your job. That's an important day in your life if that's your job. It's to say, which is why I think it's, he's full of it, he's a total phony, to say I almost didn't come to work because some guy you don't even know had a heart attack on the field. You, 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 you should, I don't say live for days like that, but you should want to be on the air the days like that. Cause people are listening. They're watching. They want to hear what you have to say. They want to react to what you have to say. That's just so phony. That offends me more than that stupid tweet that he apologized for, but that is uh, skip Bayless at his finest. And I don't think we have an answer. Maybe you've seen one. Why didn't Shannon Sharp show up for work? He was too distraught. I don't know. I don't know if you heard Skip Bayless there. It was hard and real emotional. He could barely talk. Yeah. I mean, and he stops. He's like breathing. Uh, 
I mean, you don't even know the guy. He's he's 24 years old. He's playing for Buffalo. He's from Pittsburgh. You don't even know the guy. And you're unable to talk. You're unable to go on with your life. I, we got to go on with our lives. We got a lot to get to on this Wednesday, January 4th. We got to get to the insurrection in D.C. and the Twitter files, too. And I just got to say, uh, Dana White has a lot of great ideas in his career. I'm thinking the, uh, what's it called? The slap series, a professional slappers league. Not the best idea, at least not the best timing, but we'll get to that. Let's, uh, let me tell you about Birch Gold. Are the Biden administration's New Year's goals of tax and spend and turn a blind eye to inflation at odds with your goals of securing your savings when you've finally had enough of the games government is playing with your savings and retirement? Diversify into gold with Birch Gold. I know I'm tired of my money being impacted by stupid decisions by leaders in Washington. For over 5,000 years, gold has withstood inflation, geopolitical turmoil, and stock market crashes. And here's the great news. You can still get it. In fact, you can own gold and silver and a tax-sheltered retirement account. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or a 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text the code word Jerry, G-E-R-R-Y, to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold. With almost 20 years experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metals IRAs, Birch Gold can help you. Protect yourself with gold today by texting Jerry to the number 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews. Secure your future with gold. Start today with a free info kit. There's zero obligation to make this request. Just text Jerry to 989898. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. All right, before we get to the insurrection, we just got a day, you know, we do the Twitter files, a new batch dropped yesterday. And it's, I don't want to say more of the same because that makes it sound mundane, but it's as outrageous as anything. Uh, As Musk summed up, Elon Musk summed up in a tweet, the U.S. government agencies demanded the suspension of 250,000 accounts. This deep state, these swamp creatures are, we're so out of control. This this outfit, this GEC, it's part of the State Department, was meddling as fast and furiously as the FBI or the DOJ, demanding anybody be banned, be censored that they didn't like. There was there's a couple of notable uh, revelations here. One being Adam Schiff, the biggest swamp creature, scumbag, liar of them all. A guy who lied for three solid years, literally every night to his friends in the media, his friends on NBC and CNN, telling them he had had proof. He's seen it. Proof of Russian collusion. It was a lie. He knew it was a lie. He repeated it over and over again. He paid no price for that. They still have him on every, every night. He's still on one of these networks telling more lies. These people have no pride, no dignity. A guy lied to them over and over again, made them, used them, made them look like fools, 
They don't care. He hates Trump. They hate Trump. They still put him on. He demanded the ban of journalist Paul Sperry. I believe he's with uh, was with uh, Real Clear Investigations and Investors Business Daily. Guy's been banned for two years because he was covering the whistleblower that sh- that uh, Schiff, the fake whistleblower that Schiff marched up before the the Congress. So Schiff, a congressman, goes to Twitter and demands a private citizen, worse, a, a reporter, be banned. What'd they do? They banned him. They banned him. In a normal you know, country, a normal democracy, that is front page news. That is a scandal. But we've reached the point where, you know, one side screams about it. The other side covers it up. The media is covering it up because this is their friend, their ally, Adam Schiff. Another interesting uh, revelation they wanted to ban or suppress reviews of a book by Viktor Shokin. He was the prosecutor in Ukraine who was investigating uh, Burisma, the corrupt company that was paying Hunter Biden millions of dollars to do nothing. Biden, Joe Biden, as we know, quid pro Joe, demanded they fire Shokin because he was investigating his scumbag son, and they did. He wrote a book. And these deep straight creeps were demanding suppression of reviews of his book. A guy in Ukraine writing about corruption, which was involving the Bidens, and they wanted the reviews to be suppressed. That's just a few of the revelations. They go on and on. How many parts is this thing? This uh, this this latest drop by Matt Taibbi. It's a little more. There's a little, it's, it's not quite as breezy a read as some of the Twitter files, but it is amazing how often uh, the government officials are demanding the suppression of speech by private citizens and journalists and getting it. There was pushback from Twitter saying these people are like out of control, demanding we shut down anyone they don't like. I mean, 250,000 accounts. They wanted uh, suspended. Could you even think of 250,000 people who you care about? They were like working to suppress uh, the speech, to suspend the accounts of like nobodies, just people who didn't like Biden or people who who mocked uh, Hunter Biden or, or whatever, or, uh, or, or Fauci or you name it. They, these, they were so out of control. And here's the thing. This is one social media platform. What were they doing? What are they doing with Facebook and Instagram and Google and Wikipedia and you name it? Uh, (laughs) This is ongoing right now, ongoing with these other social media platforms. And thank God for Elon Musk. It would be still going on on Twitter, if not for Musk, an American hero. All right. Speaking of another American hero, let's get to Matt Gates. <laughs> I find this amazing. I find this amazing that so many in the uh, Republican establishment, so many in the media hosts on Fox News are offended, upset, infuriated by what Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert and uh, Chip Roy and some of these other Republican renegades are doing. They're holding up the election of Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. I want to note that on this day, we're having at noontime is going to be the fourth uh, the fourth uh, vote taken, and he'll, he'll probably lose again. He lost uh, 20 people voted against him. 
he can't win with that many no votes. Um, and it's just one of these people after another, whether it's, uh, you know, Laura Ingram or Ben Shapiro, they're all upset. They say clown show. Hold on a second. We spent the last two years, hell, more than the last two, last four, last six, uh, encouraging the disruptors, the people who would scream about the, the backroom deals, about the about these swampy ways of doing business in Washington. Just two weeks ago, whatever, three weeks ago, we were screaming about this deal, this $1.7 trillion omnibus spending deal, where 18 snakes in the Senate, Republican snakes, including Tom Cotton, went along with this boondoggle, this, 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 this pork barrel bill filled with uh, woke Democrat Green New Deal goodies. And Tom Cotton and Mitt Romney and Susan Collins and Mitch McConnell went along with it. That was a couple of weeks ago. And now they're fighting the swamp, demanding concessions from McCarthy, and people are upset. Oh, they're holding up the business of the House. Oh, no, what are we going to do? There's nobody in the Speaker's office. Well, actually, there is. Kevin McCarthy already moved in, and Matt Gates, God bless him, wrote a letter to the architect of the Capitol demanding he be booted out because he's not Speaker. I love that. Gates is just, he doesn't care. He just brings it every day. Uh, I don't think he's going to get any plum committee assignments if McCarthy wins. But, you know, they're demanding Kevin, uh, demanding Jim Jordan. Jordan doesn't want the job. It's holding things up for a day or two. I'm okay with that. Uh, Chip Roy was on with Laura Ingram. She was screaming at him saying, what if Hakeem uh, Jeffries wins and he becomes speaker? And Chip Roy's like, that's not going to happen. She says, what if Republicans, some Republicans, some moderates vote for Hakeem Jeffries? And he goes, I don't think that'll happen. Of course it won't happen. That's a, that's a red, uh, a, 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 a canard, a straw man. They're not going to vote for Hakeem Jeffries just because, you know, they've dragged it on too long. It'll end. McCarthy will probably win at some point, but he'll have to concede. And those things they're demanding, they're demanding, you know, vote on term limits, demanding hopefully uh, some, uh, an audit of the Ukraine spending and a few other things. They're demanding less power for the speaker because Pelosi consolidated all the power. They want less power for the speaker, more power for the members. That's a good thing. If they get more concessions from McCarthy today, good. Why are these people all upset calling it a clown show? I understand that they're loving it on MSNBC or, you know, the main you know, New York Times and Ayanna Presley is, is, is loving this. But so what? I don't care what they think. I, I, I care what the disruptors think. They're the people I support. They're the ones who uh, are going to change things in D.C. As Chip Roy says, how can we vote for the status quo? On this day, a reminder, on this day where they're voting again for speaker, and a, Mitch McConnell is appearing with Joe Biden in Kentucky in support, in celebration of another boondoggle spending bill. The head of the, 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 the minority leader in the Senate is holding hands with Joe Biden today. That's nauseating. I think we should be uh, 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 applauding the people who are fighting back against the swamp on this day, this important day. Keep going, Matt Gates. Keep going, Chip Roy. Uh, you're doing God's work. It won't go on forever. They'll get more concessions, and McCarthy will probably win. And for that, we can appreciate them. Since when? And I know Trump 
of course, endorsed McCarthy because Trump doesn't know what he believes anymore. But uh, if Chip Roy says it, I like it. That's the way I look at it. So I'm all in on uh, on this ban of renegades. I mean, hell, everybody was in a few weeks ago supporting renegades, supporting, supporting disruptors, people who wanted to uh, disrupt the deep state, the swamp. And now they're saying, oh, no, Kevin McCarthy's a good guy. Kevin McCarthy's going to send, going to support billions more for Ukraine. And he, I mean, he's, he's a swamp creature. That's what Matt Gates said. Do we have Gates talking about this? He's just such a, uh, he's, he's such a treat talking about uh, how you can't, uh, you can't, what's he call him? An alligator? <laughs> let's, let's listen to Gates talk about this yesterday. Those of us who will not be voting for Kevin McCarthy today take no joy in this discomfort that this moment has brought. But if you want to drain the swamp, you cannot put the biggest alligator in charge of the exercise. I'm a Florida man and I know of what I speak. We offered Kevin McCarthy terms last evening that he rejected. We sought a vote in the first quarter of the 118th Congress on term limits. He refused. We wanted a budget from the Republican Study Committee that balances on the floor in the first quarter. He refused. We wanted the border plan that the Texas delegation put together on the floor. He refused. Time and again, his viewpoints, his positions, they shift like sands underneath you. Well, what, what, what is wrong with that? Why is this a clown show? That sounds like democracy in action. And by the way, I, I, I thought we respected, you know, diversity of thought, free exchange of ideas. Just because the Democrats walk in lockstep and do whatever they're told, just because the squad is a bunch of lemmings and do what they're told by, by leadership, and support, you know, $100 billion for a foreign war. These liberals, alleged liberals, are totally all in on endless, pointless foreign wars. Just because they are followers, because they are sheep, doesn't mean everybody in both parties is supposed to be a sheep in support of the uniparty. I commend these guys, but... All right, couple more things. Let's do, uh, let's do Shay, and let's get to uh, Dana White's newest... Uh, uh, knew its endeavor. I have my doubts about this one. This is uh, for you homeowners and home builders out there. Did you know that Shake Concrete has a huge selection of precast concrete steps? Of course you did. I've been telling you about this. This is the best thing. I think it might be the best thing they do is their precast concrete steps. Whether you're building a new home or you need to replace an old staircase in an old home, Shea has great values with designs for any home. Available in concrete, or you can customize the steps with beautiful stone, granite, or brick. A new staircase can dramatically upgrade the front front entrance of your home. In most cases, they can remove the old stairs and have you walking up your new front steps within hours. Just like that, you call Shay, they come over, they take the old steps away, which, by the way, they're really heavy. That is a pain in the ass. They take the old steps away, they put the new steps. You can sit in the window with the AC cranking and watch it all happen. And when they're done, your house looks better and it's worth more. This isn't... A, an expense. This is an investment in your home. Check it out. You can learn more about Shea's precast concrete steps at SheaConcrete.com. And by the way, you can also look for a job there. You can go to Shea Concrete or get on SheaConcrete.com. They're always hiring. It's a great company, a great place to work. Maybe it's time for you to upgrade your profession and go work for Shea. Check that out as well at SheaConcrete.com. Ida, we told you yesterday, Dana White is in big trouble. He smacked his wife on New Year's Eve. Uh, drunk in Cabo, 
she she took blame. She put out a statement, said they were both drunk. And she did hit him first, as far as I could tell. But that doesn't matter. When you're Dana White, when you're a grown man, big, strong guy, it doesn't matter. You have to know better. You have to, you know, you have to do, you have to act like that Patriots fan in Vegas. Yeah, exactly. When, when he was getting berated and he just stood there and he showed incredible composure and he was rewarded by Bob Kraft who had him sit in the box the next week, right next to him. It was a great move by Kraft. It was a great show of, of composure and class on that fan's part. That's what you have to do if you're Dana White. You have to know, even if you're alone, there's no cameras, you have to know you don't hit back. And even if you do say it's a reflex, like I mentioned yesterday, Joe Mixon, when he was in college and you get hit in your reflex, you don't keep going. He hit her again. Didn't he smack her? Like you kind of push her a few more times. Yeah. And I mean, I know you're drunk. I know you're, you're crazy. You're, 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 you know, celebrating, but you got to know better. And he has been on the record of saying that um, uh, he's been on the record saying that you, there's no excuse to hit a woman in, you know, in UFC or whatever in, uh, in his organization, you can't uh, make excuses. You can't come back from that. So I think he'll survive. You know, his wife took the blame. They apologized. He kind of came clean and uh, it's going to be tough for him next time. One of his people gets in trouble for that, but. It's also, it's also going to be tough when um, he goes back and forth with fighters he doesn't like all the time. He just gave him a bunch of raw meat to use as ammo. <laughs> he sure did. I'm not sure you you uh, recover easily from that. But check this out. We, we talked about this, uh, whatever, in November. I haven't talked about it lately. <laughs> but this is from November 11th. Tell me if you think this is a little problematic. UFC President Dana White announced the launch of Power Slap, a combat sport focused on competitive open-hand striking. According to the news release, Power Slap is both sanctioned and regulated. Uh, the release says uh, someone will produce it. It was going to air on TBS in early 2023. That's like soon on a, on a cable channel, TBS. Power Slap was eight episodes in which athletes will compete to earn a spot in the cast house in the power slap rankings and get world recognition. It's received approval from the Nevada state athletic commission on October. Uh, the commission vetted slap fighting to make sure they will have oversight of safety measures. They, I'm very excited to launch power slap slap says Dana white. I've been working on this since 2017. I saw some footage of slap fighting on uh, social media and was instantly hooked. I knew it could be a big thing. So it's a slap fight where you slap, each guy gets to slap, take turns. They actually have like medical people like trainers there and they have people standing next to you to make sure you don't fall down and hit your head. And that's it. You just slap each other. Do you think he's going to maybe get postponed, maybe get canceled now that Dana White is uh, 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 kind of infamous for a slap on New Year's Eve? It's going to be a tough sell for Dana White to talk about how much he loves slaps in the coming days. But uh We'll keep an eye on that. I don't see. I don't see a problem with it. I didn't see a problem with Deshaun Watson opening a massage parlor. I didn't see anything wrong with any of these. Yeah, yeah. Deshaun Watson. Uh, Deshaun Watson, by the way, LeBron James' new favorite football player, favorite that. football team. Yeah, he gave up on the Cowboys because Jerry Jones uh, said he didn't want his players to kneel. He used to be a Cowboys fan. He didn't have no don't want to have guys who won't kneel and disrespect the anthem. Instead, he supports a guy who was uh, credibly accused of 
sexually assaulting 30 women, 30 vulnerable, marginalized women. That's his guy now. LeBron James is such an idiot. All right. Before we go, I wanted to mention this. I do, you know, I'm a big supporter of uh, trans rights. As you know, it's, you know, we've had a long fight from my friends and in the trans community. And I'm going to say today, you folks, you have overcome, you've reached, you've reached equality or equity. That would be equal outcome. (laughs) On Tuesday evening, I believe that was last night, death row inmate Amber McLaughlin was executed by lethal injection. Uh, Amber McLaughlin is a transgender individual, the first ever transgender individual outwardly, openly, to be executed in this country. I think we should all celebrate this. This is, this is equality in action. Uh, McLaughlin was convicted in 2003 of murdering McLaughlin's ex-girlfriend, ben- Beverly Gunther. Uh, the two began a relationship in 2002. McLaughlin, uh, then going by Scott McLaughlin, the name under which McLaughlin was tried and convicted, they separated McLaughlin was arrested and charged with breaking into Gunther's home. And then there was a filed a restraining order. According to the AP, McLaughlin appeared at Gunther's office where she worked in suburban St. Louis. Gunther's neighbors called police uh, when she failed to return. When officers arrived, they found a broken knife and a trail of blood. McLaughlin had forced Gunther to the ground, raping her and stabbing her repeatedly and then placing her in the back of McLaughlin's car. Uh, she, uh, there were a number of appeals. Celebrities came to his defense, including Cheryl Crow. I just saw her tweet begging the governor for clemency, you know, because this poor marginalized individual, uh, no luck. Um, Amber McLaughlin, formerly known as Scott McLaughlin, a evil murder and scumbag was executed in the state of Missouri. No mention. I always look for the last meal, you know, to see what they had. Cause it, I don't know. I find that interesting. I don't see that in any of these stories, what, what uh, Amber had for a final meal, but she will not be coming down for breakfast. Uh, RIP to Amber. And congratulations to our Chan transgender friends for uh, achieving equality, at least in this respect. Now, you know, you can get executed when you murder your girlfriend, which is a good thing, in my opinion. But I uh, will leave it there for today. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thank you, Ironhead. I'm Jerry Callahan. This is the Callahan Show, and we will do it again tomorrow. Shaking my head and thinking something ain't right Is it just me? Am I losing my mind? Am I standing on the edge of the end of time? Am I the only one? Tell me I'm not Like the show? Leave a five-star review on Apple and Spotify.